It's nice to see you this morning. So we finished a couple of weeks back, we finished our series on marriage. It was designed to help you grow in your personal life. It wasn't just about marriage, but it was about relationships in general as well. And then last week, we finished a series on the Bible. And the idea was, I want you to grow spiritually. Now, we're going to be on a three-week series now, and it's designed to help other people. So I've been built up. I want to help other people as well. Obviously, some of the stuff is going to relate to you as well. You might be in the situation where you're going to take these notes to help your own life succeed, but I'm hoping that you'll keep these notes so that they can be used to help other people. I think part of our faith has a lot to do with what we do, uh, showing love toward others, helping other people in need. And one of the areas I want to talk about in this uh, three-week series is debt. Debt. I think it's something that affects so many people, our finances. I want to look at the cause, the cost, the consequences, and the cure. And I think it's probably something that almost everybody struggles with. Like we get in debt, what do we do? How do we get out of debt? The Bible warns us against getting in debt. It talks about how dangerous it is. It's a trap. The Bible teaches us to avoid it. But it doesn't seem like you can always avoid it. Life happens, and sometimes it's um, things don't go the way that we expect it. Habakkuk 2, 6 and 7 says this, Woe to him who stores up what is not his. How long can it last? He loads himself down with debts. Shall not your creditors rise suddenly? Shall they not make you tremble? You'll become their spoil. It talks about the four dangers of when we fall into debt. The first one is it's not going to last. In other words, payday is coming. Some, you know, you are going to have to pay off those debts. So, uh, you know, we're going to get in trouble if we don't. Second, there's an emotional burden that you see in that scripture. It says he loads himself down with debt, loads himself down. Have you ever felt like a heavy weight on you because of debt? That oppression that you feel, you know, when the creditors are calling you or something like that? It loads you down. Third, it causes anxiety, Shall they not make you tremble? Have you ever been in bed at night and you can't sleep because you've got bills and things to cover and it's just too much? And you don't know how you're going to do it, so it's hard to sleep at night. It's affecting you emotionally. Then it says you become their spoil. The people you're in debt to, it's like they own you. <laughs> you, you you've, they've got you. You're in their trap. You lose your freedom. Another way that you lose your freedom in debt is just think of simple things like this. If I've gotten into debt, and let's say that we were going to do a mission trip to someplace in the world, and it was something that you really needed for your life, God wanted you to go, but you just can't because you're in so much debt. You couldn't, like, even if God wanted you to go, you're in so much debt, you couldn't, I can't do it. How am I going to afford it? It limits your freedom in all kinds of ways. What if your marriage really needed like a second honeymoon? It just really needed it. But you're in so much debt that you say no to something that your marriage really needs. There's all kinds of reasons why we don't want to get in debt. We want to get out of there. We need to realize it takes away your freedom. It doesn't allow you to have the life that you'd want to have. 
Proverbs 22, 7 says, borrow money and you are the lender's slave. I don't want to be a slave to the lender. I don't want that. To me, that's bad news. I want my freedom. So today we're going to look at how can I get out of debt? How can I have and achieve financial freedom? I find it funny with some of the mail I get where they're trying to sell you credit cards and they'll use words like easy payments. Let me tell you what. The word easy and payment, they just don't go together. There is no such things as easy payments. Sometimes what we're signing up for when we think of debt, um, I look at the synonyms of debt like owe, obligated, liable, in deficit, in default, insolvent, encumbered, in over one's head, tied up, out of pocket, in arrears, indignant, pauperized, destitute, penniless, needy, lacking, distressed, in difficulty, a deadbeat, having a wolf at the door, living hand to mouth, beggarly, emptied, having seen better days, gone to the dogs, racked and ruined, improvised, bad off, hard up, beaten down, reduced to ruin, fleeced, stripped, bereft, bereaved, reduced, unable to make ends meet, embarrassed, broke, busted. Those are some of the synonyms of debt. That's what we're signing up for when we get into debt. We're signing up for this type of thing. So we have to see debt as a danger. We need to see debt as a trap. We need to see debt as something that we don't want to fall into, and we need to see debt as something that we need to get out of. Now, there's a lot of reasons why people fall in debt. It's not always your fault, okay? Medical bills. I've seen people fall into debt because of medical bills, you know, and they, it's not that they're buying stupid things they can't afford on their credit card, Okay? Like, they just, they have a certain amount of income. It's hard to live in Southern California. You pay your rent. You go through this. You get medical bills. And now all of a sudden, the people you owe rent to, they don't say to you, oh, I understand that you have medical bills this month, so I'm going to let you slide on your rent. They don't do that. Oh, because of medical bills this year, your total income was 10% less because you had such a big medical bill. So therefore, I'm going to cut your rent down 10%. They don't do that. In fact, over time, your rent goes up. That's what's more likely to happen. Or things like uh, you own your own business, and it's had good, steady growth, but because of circumstances, because of things that have happened, now the business is going down, and all of a sudden, something that's been working for you, that you've worked hard to get there, has taken a turn to the worst. It's not because you're a bad businessman. It's just life that happens. Sometimes you can be a really good businessman. Somebody invents something else that's better, and now you're sunk. (laughs) You know, so it's just life. These things happen. Maybe you're a good person, and you work hard, but you're new at your job, and the job had to have layoffs. You're the one that gets laid off because, not because you're a bad worker, but because you're the newest person there. So what I'm trying to say is a lot of times when debt happens, it's not your fault. Sometimes when debt happens, it is your fault. Maybe you got fired at work because you were doing something bad, you know, and then now, now I don't have that money coming in. You know, I, why, you know, because you could get in debt for doing something bad. Or uh, maybe you are someone that got in debt because 
you're buying things you don't need. You know, so you're putting it on credit, you're putting it on credit and you're getting deeper and deeper. You're not controlling your spending. That could be. So sometimes debt is your fault. Sometimes debt is life happening. You know, but no matter what the situation is on why you got into debt, the most important thing isn't the why you got there. The important thing is what are you going to do to get out? What am I going to change in my life to get out of here? I cannot stay in debt. This is going to be bad for me. So here's the danger signs that you're in debt. Living on credit instead of cash. If you're dependent on your credit to maintain your lifestyle, then you're in trouble. Look at Proverbs 3, 27 and 28. Don't withhold repayment of your debts. Don't say some other time if you can pay now. If you have the money, you want to pay it off. You want to pay it off. Because if you don't, then you're going to be paying interest along with it. You can buy something on sale with your credit card, but when all the interest kicks in, if you're not paying it off, you end up paying for more than it was. You know, it, it would have been better to just save your money, save your money, save your money, and just buy it three months later than to buy it then and then have the interest tagged onto it, and it ends up not being on sale anymore. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a legalist at all, okay? I'm not a legalist at all. You know, if, if you have a credit card, which I think is smart to have, I believe credit cards are smart to have. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a safety net. If, if you're someone that can control your spending, it's a safety net. So, for example, if you got into a hard time uh, and you have a credit card, praise God that you can buy food. Praise God that you can buy water. Praise God that you can, like it can be a safety net that you have that if you didn't have it and you fell into a hard time, what are you going to do? You're going to, you know, you're going to be on the streets or something. And it can be a safety net to give you a little bit of extra time. But obviously that's not a time to go on a spending spree. But sometimes if you're doing it, like I said, a medical bill or something like that, that really hurt you and you can't pay, you can't pay your bills because the medical bill was so high. Because a lot of you, you'll have something like 80-20, like, your uh, medical company pays 80% and you have to pay 20%. Uh, that could be $20,000 easily on a medical bill. And now you're in debt. So praise God that you have a credit card that maybe can help you get through that time. And you might have to slowly pay it off. But uh, there's times that I'm glad that I have a credit card. I'm, I don't think credit cards are evil at all. But you have to have the wisdom to know when you're in debt that that's not the time to just buy anything. You, you, the goal is to get out. Living on credit can be ruin your life. You can't have that mindset like, I've got to have it now. You have to be a, able to wait. Maturity is the ability to delay gratification. I want that, but I'm going to save up money until I have it. Problems come when I don't have that ability to wait. Just to wait until the right time. Look at Luke 3.14. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. You want to be someone that can be content and still want better, okay? You can be content in a neighborhood that you live in, but want to move to that other neighborhood. You know what? Because you want to get there because you feel like that would be better for my family. But I'm content here now and we're saving money, that's better than moving there and getting deeper and deeper into debt. I'm saving money now, but that's the goal. 
You can be content. You can love cars. Some people love cars and still know that that would be a foolish thing for me to buy right now. But I love cars and I'm saving my money. And when I'm able to have a car like that, I want it. There's nothing wrong with that. There people love cars. Some people love the Lakers. With LeBron coming, maybe you love them more. And, you know, people want to, there's people that love the Lakers. They love to have season tickets, but they can't afford it. I can't afford season tickets yet, but I'm still working here. I'm saving money. And they love that. And to them, that would be a dream come true. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, praise God that people have different interests and different loves and have fun doing different things. But you have to be wisdom. You have to have wisdom and know when is not the time. You don't need stuff. There's a lot of times that you need to do without stuff long-term. If your marriage is struggling, for example, and you don't have enough money to pay for a marriage counselor, you know what I would do? Is if I had a credit card, I'd go into debt. My marriage is more important to me than debt. That's why I say I'm not a legalist. I'm not a legalist. There, to me, we don't have enough money. I'll put it on the credit card because I want to save my marriage. There are some things I'm willing to go into debt for. But you have to weigh those things out. There's a lot of things that aren't, you know, most things can wait. Most things can wait. And I think you have to have the wisdom to know what you need to do. What was your priorities? What's the most important thing to you? In Proverbs 27.1, it says, don't brag about tomorrow because... You don't know what may happen. The reason why you don't want to buy things on credit that you're going to pay off over the next year is you don't know if you're going to have your job over the next year. That's what this verse is saying. Don't brag about tomorrow because you don't know what may happen. You don't know if you're going to have that. So with things that are non-essential, things that can wait, you know, wait. We wanted a brand new couch, but... Uh, we don't have the money for that right now, but we saw some couches really good, but we saw the prices of them, and we thought, this, is, uh, this isn't good. The couch I have is, I want to say it's, uh, it was 16 years old, and it's just, I've had four ki- little kids. Uh, you can imagine how dirty that's gotten over the last 16 years and stuff. So, but, so what we did is, because we don't want to go into debt, we don't want to get into deeper debt, what we did is we bought a used one. We bought a used one. It looked good. We checked out. It looked clean and good. And we bought a used one, a really nice one for $180. But what I'm trying to say is I'm just trying to be smart. I don't want to get into debt. So we chose to do that rather than saving up money for three or four months and buying it, you know, because that was something that we could get. So it's just trying to like be smart because I don't want to brag about tomorrow because you don't know what may happen, you know, so I don't want to buy something on credit and not know what's going to happen over the next few months and get in trouble. Second thing here in your notes, delaying payment or paying the minimum due. If you can only pay the minimum on your credit card, you're in trouble. You're going to get deeper and deeper into debt. Romans 13.8 says, let no debt remain outstanding. The only debt you want to have is your debt to love other people. I want to have that debt that I'm going to love other people. So delaying payment or paying the minimum due, you know, uh, you want to be able to pay off uh, your credit card. Here's another sign that you're in debt. Unable to tithe 
or save. Unable to tithe or save. These are two financial disciplines that God teaches. They develop our character. They teach us to have contentment. Tithing and saving. Tithing is when you're given to God. Saving is when you're given to yourself. Why would you want to save? It's important that you pay yourself off. Like, if you don't have a savings account, you're in debt to yourself. We think, what? I'm in debt to myself. Yeah. If you don't have a savings account, and as the years go by, you're going to need that more and more for your future. So I can be in debt to myself. You could pay all your bills off and have no savings account and still be in debt to yourself. Meaning when you retire, what are you going to have? Nothing. So um, you, wanna, you don't want to be in debt to yourself. You don't want to be in debt to God. Tithe means 10%. God says, if, if you haven't been raised in a church or raised this way, it's shocking when you first hear it. You know, I have to remind myself of that because I was raised in a church where I knew about tithing and I've been given 10% of my money to the Lord since I got my job at 16 years old. You know, I've, it's just been a part of my life. So to me, I don't even think about it. When, you do, when you've done it all your life and your parents have done it all your life, you, don't, you really don't think about it. But I forget because sometimes I'm living in this world that I'm living in and then when I talk about the people that have never lived in that world that I'm talking about, to them, they're, they're shocked. I'm thinking, oh, wow, I guess it's a big deal. It's a shock to me because it's so normal. For, it's a normal part of my life. I've never known anything other than this because as a Christian, when you're tithing, you're already thinking, like, I'm so grateful for what God's done in my past. So it's easy to give. And God's number one in my life right now. And when I'm tithing, it shows that that's true. You know, you know, because you know how God said, you can't have two masters. You can't serve God and money. Isn't that funny? He didn't say you can't serve Jesus and Buddha. Like he didn't pick two different, you can't uh, choose Jesus and Allah. He didn't pick it like a different God. He said, you can't choose God and money. Why did he say that? Because he knows other than God, what's our God? Money. That's the God that we're fighting against. It's money. Am I going to live for God or I'm going to live for money? He knows your real heart. He knows where you show where you really are. Because if you're tithing, you give him 10% of your money to God, you're showing that he's number one. Because nobody in their right mind would take 10% of their money and give it to something unless they really, really, really believed it. You know, so it's obvious like that one. And it also, it's a trust of the future. I have to have faith in God to give 10% to him. I have to have faith in God. It takes zero faith in God not to, you know. But to give 10% of my money right off the top to him, that means I'm trusting that God's going to take care of me. You know, God, I don't have this money right now, but I'm trusting that you'll take care of me. And I've seen that over and over in my life, how God works. Our church went through a seven-year span where we needed to do some cutbacks financially because uh, uh, the money just wasn't there. And in my personal life, uh, some things happened where my income had dropped $20,000 a year. And during that seven-year period, I couldn't pay my bills. I could pay most of them. I ate up all my savings, so the savings were gone. Um, I, I was always a little bit short, always a little bit short, always a little bit short and pay my bills. And then uh, before it was all over... Uh, it was $30,500 that I owed uh, on my credit card, a combination of credit card and taxes. It came to 30500 that I still hadn't paid because I just didn't have it. Every month, I was like 500 less, 500 less. 
And um, the money just wasn't there. And um, because when I went through that life change where my income dropped 20, and it wasn't something I wanted to happen. It's something that happened to me. When I went through that life change where $20,000 a year was less in my income, even when I cut back everything else, I cut back everything I could, it still wasn't enough. But there was two things I was never going to do. I was never going to stop tithing. It didn't matter. I always, I always tithed during that whole uh, seven years. And um, even though I could have taken the tithe and paid off, I, I can't. It's like, you know, when you give it to the government, they, they make you pay your taxes no matter what. Well, God's more important to me than the government. So, of course, I'm going to pay for God. No doubt. That's going first no matter what. But during that seven years, uh, I did that. And then uh, this last year, our church uh, reached a, a place where they could afford. You guys reached a place where you could afford to pay me more. And then this last year, I finally had enough money coming in that uh, I could pay my bills. And because of the church giving before, it just wasn't there. But when it was there, the church voted to pay me more. And I was able to cut off 10000 of that 30000 So now it's 20500 But that's good. That's happened since August of last year because the church reached a point that it could pay me more money. What I'm trying to say is during that seven years, it didn't matter. It didn't matter to me. There's two things I wasn't, I wasn't going to give up on tithing. I wasn't going to give up on the church. Because the church was never in a situation where they didn't want to pay me. The church just couldn't. The church just didn't have it. That's a different thing. So I wasn't going to give up on tithing. I wasn't going to give up on you guys because I knew that you guys weren't giving up on me. Here's two verses that I think that encouraged me to be committed to saving so I'm not in debt to myself and tithing so I'm not in debt to God. Malachi 3.8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, you ask, but you ask, how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? So that verse really convicted me, like, okay, I'm not going to rob God. I always give 10%. And then Proverbs 21.20 says, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. I want to be wise, so I want to save for the future. So I want to do everything I can to have a savings, because the Bible says it's a wise thing to do, and obviously it is. Then number four is unable to pay taxes. When you're unable to pay taxes, now you're in debt to the government. In Matthew twenty two twenty one, it says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So Caesar says, pay taxes. I'm 100% for paying taxes. 100% for paying taxes. I've been to countries where the money's embezzled, where they misuse things. I've been to those countries where the roads are horrible, just horrible. Uh, there's no street lights. It's very unsafe at night if you're on the streets because there's no lighting and it's dangerous, you know, where people are afraid to go out. I've been in those countries where they, they just don't use the money that they have in, in any good way. And here we are. When we pay our taxes, we have these nice streets that we drive on. If you're in a need and you call the police, they'll come. If you call an ambulance, they'll come. The, the fire department, in this country, everybody can get an education. You know, children go to school. Sometimes, in other countries, they advertise school is free. But to go, you have to buy the books. 
And the kid, people are so poor, which means the poor people still don't go. Because even though it's free education, you still have to buy the books. You have to buy a, a school uniform. So sometimes things are added on to it, and the kids still can't go. They still can't afford to get the education. When I look at what we have, even things like a na- national parks that you can go and visit and stuff, I'm 100% for paying taxes. It's a good thing. And we have freedom here. If you don't believe in that type of stuff, just go visit some of the third world countries and try to live there for a year. You'll come back and you'll be like, praise God that we have enough taxes to do some of the things that we do here. I'm not saying our government is perfect. We know it's not. There's some bad things about our government, right? No government's perfect, but come on. We live in a great country. And then number five, extravagant spending. That's when you buy things, uh, but you're wasting your money. You're wasting it by how you're doing it. You're overspending on things that shouldn't cost that much. You're just not being wise. Look at this. Uh, Indulging in luxuries, wine, and food will never make you wealthy. Do you remember, you've probably heard a lot of stories. You remember stories of people that uh, made it big, maybe in sports or music or something, and they have money coming in for the first time, and they're buying this for their friends, this for their friends. They do all this type of stuff. And then you find out like five years later, they're bankrupt. And you're thinking, how could somebody have made like $40 million in five years and now be bankrupt? Maybe it's an athlete or, you know, we, we, we see these things happening because they're not using their money wisely. They're spending it here, spending it there, and they're wasting their money. And then they end up, and, and it's unbelievable for us to imagine that much money coming in and a few years later it's gone. Number six, looking for a get-rich-quick a get idea. You know, this is a symptom of debt. In Proverbs 21.5, it says, Steady plotting brings prosperity. Hasty speculation brings poverty. Working consistently brings prosperity. In other words, getting a job. Get a job. You can't wait for something big to happen. You know, that's a fantasy. You know, I've been praying for God to just drop something out of the sky for me. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Maybe you're thinking, I'll buy the lottery ticket. Let me tell you what. Buying a lottery ticket can be fun. It can be fun. It can be fun. Like, hey, uh, look at the lottery. It's uh, uh, 300 million. Hey, let's buy one. And what would you do if, you, if we won? What would we do with this? You know, and you have, it can be fun to buy a lottery ticket. But you're delusional if you think you're going to win. <laughs> it's like, I could go and pay for a coffee, like sit with my wife and go to Starbucks and pay $8 for, a, uh, for two coffees and talk about something else. Or I could buy a $2 or $1 lottery ticket and we could sit and talk about it and dream a little bit. Okay, I'm not a legalist. You know, there are some people that have a gambling problem. They shouldn't ever get anywhere close to that. But if someone bought a lottery ticket, I'm not a legalist. Somebody's going to win. But if you believe that you're going to win, you're delusional. You're delusional. It's just not going to happen. If you bought a lottery ticket for, uh, to dream and just have fun or whatever, but you can't believe that you're going to win, uh, those things aren't going to happen. And like I said, some people can't even uh, do anything like that because they have a problem with gambling. It's like drinking. Some people can have a drink. They, never, they would never get drunk. They have no desire to overdrink. Some people... If they just take one drink, they can't stop. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. So uh, you have to understand who you are and be honest with yourself so you don't make those mistakes. 
But like I said, I'm not a legalist. I'm not a legalist about drinking. Someone has a drink? The Bible says don't get drunk. You know, I understand where the Bible says uh, Jesus drank and stuff. But I'm never going to be legalistic. But I want to be wise. I want to be smart and wise. And it's not wise for me to think that I'm going to win the lottery. It's just not wise. It's, you know, it, uh, so you have to be, uh, so you don't waste money. On, on, you don't buy $100 worth of stuff like that. It's, it's stupid to do that. And then steps to freedom. Number one, I want freedom. So what am I going to do? Number one, commit to becoming debt-free. Why don't I just file bankruptcy and start over? You know, bankruptcy is legal. A lot of people don't know this. Some Christians believe that filing bankruptcy is a sin. Do you know it depends? It depends. The idea of bankruptcy is actually in the Bible. It's a biblical thing. It's unlike what people think. Here's how Deuteronomy 15.2. Here's where the idea came from. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. This is how it is to be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loan they have made to all fellow Israelites. They shall not require payment from anyone among their own people because the Lord's time for canceling debt has been proclaimed. And what happened is, um, that's one of the reasons why if you've been bankrupt, you, it's every seven years before you can do it again because of this seven years here. And we're influenced by, we're, not, we're a secular society, but we're still influenced by the Bible and so many things that we do. This was a law because they would read the Bible and they see these things. And they, in real life, what would happen is if you had this big medical bill and you had money that you owed and there's no way for you to pay, you know what the penalty was? You'd go to prison. Back in the day, you'd go to prison. And this became a safety net. The Bible always had compassion. The Bible didn't want someone that was working hard, doing everything they could, and they got into a problem and they needed to get some extra money if they couldn't pay it. The Bible didn't want people, good people, going to prison because they had a medical bill and they, they just couldn't, you know, or they lost their job and now they can't pay for it. Now they go to prison. That was, that's how it used to be. But the Bible has compassion and it's a safety net for people that get into trouble. Now, can it be misused? Absolutely. There's a lot of things that are meant for the good that can be misused. Here's what Psalm 37, 21 says, the wicked borrow and do not repay. This is saying if I have the ability to repay it and I don't, I'm wicked. Could someone file for bankruptcy when they really had the ability to pay? Absolutely. At that point, you're wicked. So is bankruptcy wrong or right? It depends it depends on your character and why you're doing it. There could be a, a reason for it. Um, but you want to commit to becoming debt-free, and it's not easy. It takes commitment, discipline, perseverance, character, sacrifice, delayed gratification. And a lot of people want out of debt. They're just not willing to be committed to doing the things to get there. It takes a commitment. Okay, I want out. Well, here's what you have to do. Oh, I don't want out that bad. You know, like it takes commitment. A second thing is start paying God. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God says, pay me and I'll bless you. I believe that. And like I said, he's more important to me than the government. He's more important to me than the government. So if I'm going to pay the government, I'm certainly going to pay uh, him 
In Deuteronomy 14.23, it gives the reason. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. That's why it's in there. That's why the Bible teaches it, to put God first. And if I'm tithing, it's showing that God is first. I've heard some pastors talk about paying paying yourself. Don't go into debt to yourself. Paying yourself before you pay your creditors. In other words, they would say, Make sure that you put money into your savings before you pay off people that you owe money to. Okay. It depends. It's, I, I, sometimes that could be really wicked. If, you're, if you have a job and you put $1,000 into savings and they match it, okay, so that's a 100% increase of your money. It'd be stupid not to do that, right? You put money in there, they match it. You put money in there, match it, and you still pay off the loan, but maybe the loan's going to be slower, but you're making, every time you put money in there, you're making 100% profit because the company matches it. While this is, uh, interest is 25%, so you do that, you do this, but you're, you're doing wise. The more you put into there, you're going to do well. But if you have money into a regular savings account where you're getting 3% and over here you're paying 25% in interest, then you want to pay that off. You know, it's just mathematical. It's just logical. You pay off the one that's costing you the most money as quickly as possible. That's one that you want to pay off the fastest, is the one that's going to cost you the most. And then when you have several bills, you know, this one is 5% interest, this is 10% interest, this is 20% interest. You know, pay the minimum of those and put everything on the 20% interest. It's just, ma- it's just mathematical. It's just being logical. Pay off the highest interest first, then go to that next one, then go to the next one, you'll end up with more money for yourself long run because you pay it off quicker. So it's just being smart. And then number three, list all I own, owe, and earn. In other words, keep good records. A lot of the reasons we get into debt is we don't keep good records or we don't talk to our spouse. We don't talk to our spouse. So I'm buying something on the credit card without talking to her. She's buying something on the credit card without talking to me. And now we're in debt. We're not working together. And Proverbs 24, 3, it says, by wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it's established. So you just want to be wise and knowledgeable and understand where your money's going. Have you ever been to the end of the month and you th- thought, like, where did it all go? Where did it all go? If you've ever asked yourself that, it means you're not budgeting it. You should know where it all went. You should have a budget. You should know this is what, how much we need for rent, this is how much, and this is what we, left, we have left over, and we can't go beyond that. We can't go beyond that. And you, and you live within that budget. You should always know. Because credit plus ignorance is a disaster. You know, you get a credit card plus ignorance of your finances, and then, then you know, you, you have problems. Look at Proverbs 23, 23. Get the facts at any price. Proverbs 24, 3. Any enterprise is built by wise planning becomes strong through common sense and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. So you want to know what's going on with your finances so you spend it wisely. Number four, have a sale. In other words, get rid of stuff you don't need. This is one of the things that we've been doing, and you can do it online. You know, you, like you have stuff that, that you just don't need. It's way better than putting it in a storage shed. Like you're in debt and you store this stuff, and then you're paying. You're getting deeper in debt. Don't do that. Just sell it and get cash back. If you're not using it, if you can't afford it, you know, do whatever you can to sell things. Um, 
My wife will take things that we don't need anymore, and she'll sell them. She'll even take things that we bought for the kids, and they've outgrown it, and she'll sell them online to friends. There's, it's easy to do. And she gets some of that money back. She said, I want to do, um, do a birthday party for Alicia. And we don't have a lot of money for that right now. So what she did is she got all of Alicia's and, and Arthur's old stuff that they don't use anymore, just things, and sold them. A little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. And she ended up having enough money to give Alicia a birthday party without costing us a penny. You know, just getting rid of stuff that we don't need anymore because, you know, the kids outgrow things. So it's just being wise like that. Some people have an extra car that they don't even need and they're in debt. And sometimes that, the sale of that car could wipe out the debt or a, lot, or a lot of it. Number five, set up a repayment plan to get out of debt. What I'm trying to say here is you don't get out of debt just because you want to. You have to be intentional. You have to have a plan. To get out of debt, we're going to do this, this, and this. And then you have to stick to the plan. In Proverbs 21, 5, it says, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity. It's hard work. Look at Proverbs 20, 18. Get advice if you want your plans to work. Get advice. You know how if your back hurts, you go to a doctor. If you're in a relationship problem with your spouse, you go to a counselor, a marriage counselor. Well, if you have a financial problem, go to a financial advisor. Not one that's trying to sell you something, by the way. But a financial, uh, you know, you need an outside objective voice saying, what about this? What about that? Have you thought about this? You know, there's reasons why you get into debt and they can sometimes help you uh, not make those same mistakes and how to get out. Number six, decide to do it in half the time. If you can come up with a plan like how to get out of debt in 10 years, but make it your goal to do it in five. Because every year that you pay it off, that's less interest. And you're actually, actually going to be saving more money long-term by doing that. So shoot for five. You might say, well, that's impossible. Well, with God, all things are possible. Look at Luke 18, 27. What is impossible for men? Uh, what is impossible with men is possible with God. God doesn't even use the word impossible. He believes all things are, you know, so you trust him and you go for it. Add no new debt. That's what you want to do is add no new debt. You know you're in debt, so just don't add more to it. At least, you know, don't let it get bigger. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, be content with what you have. That's the greatest key is just being content with, where you're, with what you have. I'm content with what I have for now. It's not what I want for the future. I'm just content with it for now until we can get better later. I want you all to shoot for the best. Shoot for the best. I want you guys to make the most money you can in your jobs. I want you to be the most successful that you can. And I want you to be wise with your money the whole way through so that you have a great future, um, that when you retire, uh, you, you, you're, you're, you're okay. You're doing well. I want you to have the best life possible. But it doesn't just happen. You have to really try. Um, share my plan with creditors. Let the people that you're in debt to know that you're making some changes, and you're going to try to pay them off. You know, if you say to them, if you call them and say, I don't want to file for bankruptcy, that's not good for me, and that's not good for you. Can we work out a plan? You'd be surprised at how many of them were like, they'll drop the interest. They say, okay, no more interest. They'll work out a plan with you. I can only pay $25 a month. That's all I have. They'll work with you because they don't want you to file bankruptcy. If you file bankruptcy, they don't get a penny back. They lose it all. Okay, so uh, 
you know, be wise. And if you really can't pay it, you know, you call them, work out a plan. If you drop the interest, I don't add interest. I can pay $25 every month and I'll keep paying till it's paid off. But I, the interest is more than I can handle now. And I don't want to file bankruptcy. Say those words and, and all of a sudden they listen. It says in Proverbs 16, 7, when, you, when your ways please the Lord, he will make your enemies into friends. And I'm not talking about manipulating somebody that you can really pay off. If you have the money, you pay them. I'm talking about when you're really in a bind, let them know that because you don't want to have bankruptcy. They don't want you to have bankruptcy. It's good for you and it's, it's better for you and it's better for them if they would just work out a plan with you. And then number nine, stick to it. Stick to it. It takes discipline and effort and sacrifice. Stick to it. Do everything that you can to stick with it and to, and to get out of debt. Get your freedom back. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, Let us not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. So don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Stick with it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. You know, it might be a slow process. Most people didn't get in debt overnight. Sometimes you do. Like I said, a big medical bill. Boom, that's overnight. You know, but most of the time, that's not what happens. You get in debt a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And to get out of debt, it's going to be the same thing. It's, it, it might take you 10 years to get into debt. It might take you 10 years to get out. You know, so just, but stick with it. Stick with the plan and you can get out. And get your freedom back. Get your freedom back. Get it so you can start saving money, so you can start doing the things so that you have a future, so that when you retire, you've got something to live off of. I don't think Social Security is going to be enough. You know, so do everything you can um, uh, to get these, you know, to get out of debt. There's one debt that you'll never be able to repay. And for good people that want to do the right thing, this is really geared toward you. As good people, we want to do the right thing. We think, you know, I'm going to be a good person. So when I stand before God, God will say, you're a good guy. Come unto heaven. Doesn't work that way. You know, we all sin. Everybody in this room has messed up. We all fall short. We all owe a debt that we, can, that we cannot possibly pay. So that's why we rely on Jesus. He pays the debt that he didn't owe for us. And that's why Jesus came and died on the cross to pay off the debt of our sins. You know, I'm never going to be good enough to pay off what I owe, so he pays it. I've said several times, I use the word, he paid off the penalty that we owed. There's a penalty that we each owe. There is one debt that I'm never going to be pay, able to pay off, and I'm just relying on God's grace. Relying on God's grace. No one's going to be good enough. No one can think that they're so great that they deserve to get into heaven. It's he's so great that we deserve to get into heaven. You deserve it. You know why? Because he's so great. You deserve to go to heaven. You know why? Because he paid for your sins. He's so great. That's why you deserve it. That's also why no one can say, I'm such a bad person. I should never get into heaven. Well, he's so great that you deserve in because he paid off your penalty. He paid it off. And that's why we put our faith in Jesus. With this, let's pray. Jesus, I know that you promised to bless us when we follow you. And Lord, I believe that there's people here that struggle with debt. Maybe you struggle with overspending. Maybe you've gotten into debt through a variety of different reasons. And Lord, I believe that you want each of us to prosper. I believe that you want all of us in this room to be successful. But Lord, I know that we have to be willing to obey you as well. 
So, Lord, we're praying, we're making a commitment right now, Lord, that we're going to handle our finances correctly as best as we know how, as best as your word tells us, and we're going to trust you for the results. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.